John 15. This is one of my favorite passages. And uh, just even studying and reading the word this week and praying, I really felt like the Lord highlighted it to me to share with you. But what's interesting is I, I feel like the Lord gave me a completely different uh, message than I've ever preached out of John 15. Now, I, again, let me tell you, this passage is, it's a passage I reference virtually every day. When I was in college, I memorized this passage. This is one that is, you know, if you, if you have your favorite Bible verse, this is one that's that for me. And uh, honestly, as I was studying this week and just, just reflecting on John 15, the Lord began to show me some things out of it that I'd never seen before, and I really felt like it was for our time this morning. And even Jeff sharing our story about how we became friends, it goes right with what I'm going to share, which is why I was going to share that story. Of course, I didn't tell you what I was going to preach. You just knew I was going to come out John 15. But uh, Let's just read verse 9 through 17. Let's read it all, uh, this whole section together, uh, and then I'll come back and I'll just work us through it. So John 15, 9. Um, what version did I give you? NKJV? Who knows? Okay, I'm going to read NKJV. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And these things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. The New American Standard and the NIV, they both say, this I command you, that you love one another. Now, how many of you believe that Jesus was the best communicator that's ever lived on the planet? He's the best communicator, right? No one ever spoke like him. Even when he was telling the parables, they would hear him and they'd say, no man's ever spoke like this. And I will tell you, no one's ever spoke like him up to Jesus and no one's ever spoke like him since Jesus, the best communicator ever. But it's interesting to me when we read passages, oftentimes we read it. And of course, we're dealing with, you know, a, a, a translation from Greek to, to English. And, and, and it's, it doesn't sound that good. Like this sounds really disjointed. Like I've heard guys tell stories and, and weave together sentences in a way that sounds stronger than this. And I think part of it is because we don't catch really what's being said, we don't catch it in a way that it connects to our minds. And so oftentimes we rely on theologians to tell us what the Bible means. And theologians oftentimes aren't very good communicators either. And so I'm a communicator. And so what I want to do is I want to give you, I want to exegete it for those of you that want theology. I'm going to exegete the passage, but I'm going to do it like a communicator because I feel like the Lord showed me something about his heart as, he, as I was studying this passage this week. Now, John 15, 9, it's, my, it's literally, it's my favorite verse. I go back to this verse virtually every single day. It's where I start my heart virtually every single day. As the Father has loved me, Jesus said, I have loved you. 
abide in my love. And I'll just tell you this, if you think the kingdom of God is about something different than a love story, you don't know the story. Because it's a love story from beginning to end. It's all about God who loves people, who wanted a relationship with people. Starts in the garden with Adam and Eve and ends up in paradise with Jesus marrying his bride. And what kind of God starts everything in perfection with a man and a woman and then runs the entire story of all created history and then he ends it up in a garden with a man and a woman, Jesus Christ and the, and the bride of Christ. This is what's in the father heart, is the Father's heart is a love story. It's delight and desire for people. It's what he wants. He wants relationship with people. Now what Jesus said to us in John 15, 9 it is so powerful. It's one of those verses that you can just stand under the weight of it and it will never quit filling your heart with life. I want you just to think about it for me. Just think about it with me for a minute. As the Father loves Jesus, as the Father loves Jesus, does it get any better than the way God the Father loves God the Son? Can you improve on that at all? As the father loves the son, which father? See, you and I, we've all got pictures of what a father is, and no matter how awesome our father is, every father, every human father is at best broken. Every human father is at best broken. And our image oftentimes of what God is like comes from our, our earthly father. But when we're talking about this passage, he says, as the eternal father, as the perfect father, as the one who is love itself loves me. I want you to think about who the father is. The Bible says this in Psalm 16, in his presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures evermore. In his presence is fullness of joy. Do you, do you have any friends that when you just get around them, they make you happy? You know what I'm talking about? When things aren't going right, you're like, I gotta call so-and-so. They're gonna help me feel better. Why? Because they're so full of joy that just being in their presence, it, it rubs off on you a little bit, doesn't it? Well, the father is so full of joy that the area around him is the highest measure of joy available to all humanity. <laughs> In his presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, in the area right there with him, is pleasure evermore. I love to call the throne room of God, I love to call it the pleasure epicenter of all created order. Pleasure isn't a bad thing, it's something that God created. Pleasure isn't a bad thing, it's something that God created. Pleasure is not a bad thing, it's something God created. Y'all in here? Okay, it's double checking. We don't want pleasure. Yeah, you do. You're made for it, actually. You're made for it. So God made pleasure, and in his presence is pleasure at the highest measure available. There's joy at the fullness of what's available. Can you imagine the, the first second into the presence of God? When you step over into eternity, boom, you're going to step in, and every one of the pleasure centers and joy centers in your being are all going to pin to 10. If you, had, if you had meters that showed how happy you are, 
how full of pleasure you are. You'll, I mean, one second, you're in this broken down thing, this body, everything, you know, you got issues, right? You're, you're one, one second over, boom, and yes! I mean, everything goes to 10, all right? <laughs> His presence, fullness of joy at his right hand, pleasures, eternal pleasures. All your senses are going to pin. Your sense of smell will smell fragrance at the highest level. Ooh, you smell good, God. I mean, everything is going to hit its limit, and that's gonna be one second in. It's funny to me how people think eternity is gonna be boring. I go, that's weird, man. If your pleasure is all pinned to 10 and your joy is all pinned to 10, how are you gonna be bored? <laughs> You're gonna be like having to take a break just to be able to bear it. That's one reason why you get a glorified body. So you don't die from the goodness of it all. <laughs> and that father, that one that's full of joy. See, we, many people think, well, I'm gonna step into the presence of God and he's gonna be like, those 50 things. I've been waiting to talk to you. I am so ready to walk through these issues with you. But in Christ, we have the blood of Jesus on us. When we repent, we turn to Jesus. We, we actually come under that blood. His blood justifies us. It makes us completely innocent before the Father. And when we step in, we're gonna step before the throne and the Father's gonna be like, yes, there you are. You'll be like, me? He's like, <laughs> I've been waiting for you. How do you think the Father thinks about you? I would say your biggest problem is probably not the devil. It's probably how you think God thinks about you. Because as you think that he is, so are you. That perfect Father, full of joy, full of pleasure, full of delight, who's mostly glad, mostly happy, who loves perfectly, who's described as love. As he loves Jesus, his perfect, precious son, who never sinned, who did all the will of the Father, who only said what he heard the Father say, who only did what he heard, saw the Father do. As the perfect father who is love, loved Jesus. Jesus says, I love you the exact same way. I love you in perfection. I love you at the highest measure possible. I love you at the greatest intensity possible. Do we understand the love that Jesus has for us? I would guarantee you that we do not. I would guarantee you we only have scratched the surface in comprehending the delight that's in the heart of God for us. And Jesus loves you the way that the Father loves him. You know, it immediately takes me to Ephesians chapter two when it says, uh, he has raised us up and he seated us in heavenly places. And, and if you read that passage, a lot of people wanna make that about heavenly, and we have authority in the heavenlies, but if you read that passage, you'll quickly find out that passage is, he seated us in heavenly places because of his great love with which he loved us. And he gave us a seat in the affections of the Godhead. How cherished are you by God? 
as cherished as the father cherishes the son, you're that cherished by God. Love, this is where we're to live from. And we don't graduate from it. Because the very next phrase, as the father has loved me, I have loved you. Then he goes, now stay there. See that sense of peace that's just settling on you right now? Some of you are like, oh my goodness, could it be true? And I'll tell you, absolutely it's true. Some of you are feeling that familiar presence of the Lord just wash over you. He likes you. Yes, he does. And he tells you to stay there. That's what Jesus' command is. There's actually a command there in verse 9. He says, as the Father loves me, I love you. Abide in that. Stay there, New Bridge Church. Stay there. It's about knowing the love of God. That's what this life is about. It's about knowing the love of God and surrendering to that love. Have you surrendered to the love of God? One thing I find about love is it will, it will diminish you to nothing but love. <laughs> That's right. Somebody got it. Love will boil you down to nothing but love. Right? I'll, I'll give you proof. Right? You get married. You know, you think she's so cute or you think he's so cute. You just love each other. We just love each other. Premarital counseling, how's it going? Oh, we love each other. I go, good, good. You think they're, you think they're each other are cute? Oh, they're so cute. What do you like about them? Oh, so many things. After a while, I just start, you know, I, I can tell the couples that have never had a fight. I go, y'all ever had a fight yet? Oh, no. We love each other. I'm like, good luck with that. Good luck. Because in a minute, you'll realize that God picked the person who will require you to humble yourself at the highest measure. It just so happens that you think they're cute. He picked the person that will expose you and all your issues at the highest level. He picked the person who knows how to tap dance on your last nerves. And you just happen to like how they look and you think their jokes are funny. And in a minute, you'll find out that your nerves and your life is being stressed to the max by that person you've just covenanted with. And all the little fairy tale, happy ending, kind of just, it kind of evaporates. And you're like, dear God, <laughs> what have I done? And people go, well, you, you, you know, I think I picked the wrong one. No, 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 you picked the right one. You picked exactly the right one. That one is commissioned by God to expose you, <laughs> expose your heart, so that when all the fluff is burned off, love diminishes you down to love. The goal of love is to bring you to love. Love isn't a feeling, is it? It's a choice we make, isn't it? I mean, there are feelings, there are emotions, there's richness we feel in the love of God to be accepted by the Father, to be accepted by the Son, to know that God delights in us, desires us. Oh, the fact that the, as the Father loves Jesus, Jesus loves us, and we find in John 17, Jesus says uh, that the Father loves you as, you, as, as, as he has loved me. The Father himself loves you as he has loved me. We're loved by the Father, we're loved by the Son, and the goal of love is to bring us to love, and he wants us to stay there in love. Now watch, verse 10, he tells us how to stay in love. Because at this point, I wanna know. 
because you know what it's like to feel the love of God and you feel the peace of God and you feel good and you start that you know, Bible study that day and then everything goes wrong and things start falling apart. And by, by noon, you're like, man, I'm out of love. My inner healing wore off. Praise God, we got Tim and Beth Scott here to fix us. Glory. I, I've got, by noon, you're like striving, stress, you know, and we're only on Monday. We got to get through till Sunday so Pastor Jeff can put us back together in the love of God. So we have to understand how do we stay in this place? Well, number one, we meditate on the love of God. You, you stay in the revelation of the love of God, the feeling of the love of God. But I love what he does in John 15 right here. I, it's one of these things that God creates a loop. You know, like, you know, when you, you don't realize that you're actually going back to the beginning as you get going, you're going through something and it brings you back and brings you back and brings you. He's got a loop right here in John 15. It's beautiful. See, prayer is a loop. We do prayer at IHOP, and I, I tell people that the main reason God wants you to pray is not to get things done. The main reason God wants you to pray is because God wants you. So he set his kingdom up that if you want to get anything done, you have to talk to him. He can get anything done he wants, but really, he just wants you. <laughs> really? Yeah, really. He wants your heart. That's what he's really after. So he requires us to talk to him as a means to get things done in the kingdom. Does that make sense? It's a loop. Well, this is a loop. He commands us to stay in love. So then he, verse 10, he tells us, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Because that's my question. I go, okay, I want to abide there. I want to stay under that feeling of the love of God. He goes, great, keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. Just as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. And immediately in my mind, I don't know what you do, but immediately in my mind, I go 10 commandments. Anybody go 10 commandments when you read that? Amen. One person, just me. Okay, that's okay. I, those in your, who actually did go 10 commandments, I will tell you that's not what he's talking about. He's not actually referencing the 10 commandments. In fact, I can prove it to you biblically. Galatians 5.14 tells us a hint about fulfilling the law. The law, all the laws fulfilled in one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. But in context, Jesus is actually talking about what he's talking about in the passage. As a communicator, he goes, I'm going to tell you some things. I want you to do the things that I'm telling you. That's how it works. So right here, he says, if you'll just do what I'm about to tell you to do, you'll abide in my love. If you'll keep my instructions, that word commandments can be uh, uh, translated instructions. If you, can, if you keep the instructions I'm about to give you, you'll abide in my love. I go, man, my ears are peaked, perked. I want to hear this. Tell me. I want to abide in your love. What is the way that I abide in your love? He goes, keep my commandments. He goes, okay. I go, okay. Tell me what it is. What are you about to command me? And he goes, now, verse 11, he goes, now, here's the thing. Before you think this is about works, before you think this is about something to bind you up, he goes, I want you to know something. I'm telling you this to make your joy full. He goes, you're going to be abiding in my love, and I want you to get it that this is about my joy being in you and about you being full of joy. I go, well, now I'm really in. Because in you know, verse 10, when it's about keeping commandments, I kind of go, ow, I thought I was free from the law. And he goes, you are free from the law. I'm giving you some instructions that are going to cause your heart to be full of joy. I go, okay, I want to be full of joy. How do I get full of joy? Let me just give you this as a side note in verse 10. 
love of God, yes, it's, it's walked out as we worship, it's walked out as we tell him I love you, but simply love for God is walked out in obedience. You just, just obey him as a means, a way to show him that you love him. That's how we show our love to God. Just obey him. If you tell him, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, and then you dishonor people, you see what I'm saying? You're actually not doing what he asks. And so it, there's, a, there's a disconnect there. That's a principle. Love is expressed through obedience. All right, he goes, I'm telling you this, that your joy may be full. I want your hearts to be full of joy. I want my joy to be in you. In other words, this is going to be really, really, really good for you. I go, yeah. All right, tell me. Tell me, what is it? Verse 12, he goes, my commandment is that you love one another as I have loved you. I go, huh. Okay, I can love people. I can love them. Sure. And then I met some people. <laughs> I thought, you're not as lovely as I thought you were, or lovable. And here's where the rubber meets the road. He goes, stay in my love by doing what I ask, and what I ask you to do is love other people. And I go, um... You got anything easier than that? And do you see now the loop? Because there's no way you're gonna love someone else unless you know how much God loves you and how much God loves them. See, I can't love you because I've got so much love in my heart. But I can love you if I know that God loves you and that he wants me to love you. And at that point, as unlovable as you may be, all of a sudden I have to work through my own stuff to figure out how can I love you. You know what I think part of our challenges and churches, denominations and all of our little kingdoms, we don't love each other. We just don't. We love ourselves love our church, but do we really love one another? It, love one another doesn't mean ignore them and don't do anything bad to them. You know, we, we would kind of think that love is just about not having a, a bad attitude towards somebody, and if you ignore them and don't do anything wrong, now you've loved them. No, that's not love. To quote DC Talk, love is a verb. That hit one little segment, whoever y'all were. Bless y'all. <laughs> but it is. Love is an action. We love not in word or deed only, but we love in, in truth. In word only, but in deed and in truth is what, it, what, what First John says. Not in word only, but in deed and in truth. Love requires activity. Love requires picking up the phone. Love requires putting down your opinion. You know what I found love requires every time? Humility. Have you ever noticed how hard it is to love somebody as long as you demand to have your own way? <laughs> I love them. They just got to do it my way. Somehow my way or the highway doesn't fit when it's love. Do you understand what I'm saying? Love is something about giving. 
It's something about laying yourself down. It's something about putting down your preferences. It's something about preferring others. It's something about coming out of the way that you would normally do and figuring out how you can meet somebody else where they are. Love one another. Love one another. This is what I give you. This is my instruction for you, that you love one another Ah, and then he takes it up a notch. As I have loved you. Oh, just when I thought my little pot roast that I brought you that one time was about to check the box. He goes, no, no, no. This is about laying your life down. And I don't know how you feel when you read those words, but I just go, God, I can't do that. And he goes, go back to verse nine. As the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. And so here we find this thing where love diminishes us to love. Love brings us down to love. And to love, we actually have to know God's love for us, have to know how he feels about us. And from that well of love, of his emotion for us, we live from that place, and then we willingly lay ourselves down for one another. This isn't just for the church body. This is for our families, our children. In fact, the the greatest theater by which we walk out loving one another is inside our own homes. And why is that the most important theater? Well, number one, Pastor Jeff and Pastor Dustin aren't staring there looking at you. (laughs) Because you're somebody different when the doors close, you know what I mean? There's something that happens inside when we're most familiar with people, how, you know, those relationships, when we're loving in those relationships, that's the real thing. It's not mostly how we act on Sunday morning. It's mostly how we act on, you know, Thursday night at home. Man, I'm preaching better than y'all are amen. I, I can't figure this out. And this love one another thing, this will kill you. For real. And it's actually what Jesus set up. Love one another as I have loved you. See, that brings me to this place where I'm defeated. I go, okay, you've defeated me by love. I I can't do this. He goes, that's right. You need my love. You need to know the way I love you. And you need to flow in love with the love that I have for you. Flow in that same love for others. And when you come to the end of yourself, you've got to come back to me and go, God, do you like me still? He goes, oh, I like you so much. And you get filled with his love. And then you love others again. And you keep rolling in that loop of love. (laughs) And here's the thing, you know what is so interesting about love? Love doesn't, re- it doesn't demand reciprocation. What did Jesus said? I'm gonna take the cross for everybody's sin if all of y'all will love me back. He wouldn't have taken the cross. See, love without hypocrisy, which is what Paul called us to, is loving for the good of the other, not for ourselves. Oh, beloved, this thing about love, love is such a sweet sounding word, but man, it really gets in there and messes with us, doesn't it? 
This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Now, we always read verse 13 through the lens of the cross, but Jesus hasn't gone to the cross yet. What's going on there is he's setting up the table for the cross. In fact, if you ever wanted to know what the, the real conversation was at the Last Supper, this is it. John 14 through 17 is the real conversation at the Last Supper. And he's telling them, you're going to lay your lives down for your friends and that's how you're going to do love. Lay your life down for your friends. Greater love is no one than this than to lay one's life down for his friends. And then verse 14, he hits us with the shock. You are my friends. You are my friends if you do what I've asked you to do. <laughs> you're my friends. Here's what he's saying. You're my friends if you love my friends. You're my friends if you love my friends. As I'm staring at that passage, the shock is that the uncreated eternal God of perfection and glory and holiness and power of everything that we're not, that perfect God goes, you're my friend. You're my friend. Friend. Greek word phylos, friend, brotherly love. You're my friend. You imagine Jesus looking at you and saying, hey, did you, did you know that I really think of you as my friend? I really do. You ever had that in a relationship? There's a place where you know, you, you, know, you, you meet somebody, then you get to know them a little bit, and then you have a few interactions with them, and then you, there's a point where you kind of jump the hurdle and you consider them a friend. You know, you know what I'm talking about? There's something that happens in the heart. You go, no, I, I really, I, I know them, and I kind of, I trust them now, and I kind of know where they're from, and I know what they're about, and they're a friend. I call them a friend. Jesus calls you friend, friend. It's way deeper than that. That song, there's a worship song, I'm a friend of God. It's so much deeper than that. Friend, he looks at you and he says, friendship is something you and I share. Our relationship together is friendship. I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends. And I just have to sit there and marvel at what's in the divine heart. What is in the heart of God that he wanted friends? Have you thought about who God is? The fact that he would want you as a friend? I'm like, you're a bad cho chooser of friends, God. I'm not cool enough to be your friend. Because I didn't, I didn't want you to be my friend because you're cool. Because I wanted you to be my friend because I love you. I love you. I just wanted to be friends with you. He goes, and You'll abide in my love if you love my friends. And all of a sudden, this passage, I start seeing the tenderness of Jesus in a way that it absolutely blows my mind. Because he isn't looking for slaves. He's not looking for servants. He doesn't want one more worker. He doesn't need them. He has 10,000 times 10,000 servant angels. What could you possibly do for him? He just wants friends. How's your friendship with the Lord? See, we make it too religious. We make it too structured. We make it too systematized. And Jesus wasn't doing that. He goes, guys, 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 
you're my friends. I call you friends, I don't call you slaves. He's talking to real people, this is a real conversation. And he said it as the best communicator. We read it and it's a little stilted, but man, when he says, I want you guys to know something. And this is at the end of his life. It's, this is the deepest drippings of Jesus' heart. He goes, I want you guys to know something. Listen, listen, he goes, y'all are my best friends. Y'all are my best friends. He goes, and I just, look, I know you know I'm God and all this, but here's the deal, you'll abide in the love that I have for you, you'll stay in that friendship love if you just love my friends. Love one another, love each other, guys. You're my best friends, I just want you to love each other. I believe this is the word of the Lord to the church right now. Love one another, love one another. I don't care if they're Baptist, Methodist, Episcopalian, I don't care. Church of God, Church of God in Christ, Assemblies of God, Charismatic, hanging from the chandelier, fire baptized, Holy Ghost back flipping. I don't, I don't care. Liturgical sits still, don't make a peep because he's holy. I don't care where you come from. You love him? I love you. I don't have time to fight with you over what you and I don't think is the same thing. I I just don't. Do we love Jesus together? Do we believe the blood of Jesus sets us free from sin? Is Jesus Christ the only way to get to the Father? I love you. I love you. I'm so for you. Oh, man, we're on the same team. We are on the same team. Well, brother, you know, I don't see that passage. That's fine. I love you, bro. I love you. I just don't have energy to disobey Jesus and to fight through all the reasons why I can't love you. No, I'll just love you. How about I just love you, and we'll settle it in a thousand years? Because in a thousand years, you're gonna love that person. You will. I'm I'm telling you, in a thousand years, all the problems you think that you have with sister so-and-so and and brother so-and-so, all the problems you think you have, in a thousand years, you're not gonna have any problems with them. You're gonna love them. You might as well start with it now. You're gonna be best friends there. You might as well start with it now. Guys, you're my best friends. I just want you to love one another. You're gonna have to lay yourselves down for one another. That's what it's gonna look like. It's gonna look like the guy that's leading the Baptist cessationist congregation reaching out to the charismatic director of a house of prayer going, ah, can, can we just be friends? And I swear, Jeff, he told me, he goes, man, we're walking through some challenges. He goes, this, this, and this. He goes, what do you think? I go, I, you're, you're asking the wrong dude. I don't have any thoughts, but I like you. You want to be friends? <laughs> that was it. You're buying lunch. I'm your friend, bro. I mean, it was just as simple as that. Like, I, I don't have any good answers for you. I mean, I can, you know, maybe help strategically help you walk through somehow, but I tell you what, how would I just be your friend and I'll be the safest guy you have in your life and you can say anything to me and it won't throw me off. What about that? And that's at the end of the day, that's what matters. Because love wins the day. Love wins the day, guys.
Verse 14, you're my friends. If you love my friends, do what I command you. He's just commanded us to love one another. So if you're my friends, if you love my friends. Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants. For servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I called you friends. Look at this phrase. For all things that I heard from my father have made known to you. Now, let me ask you something. The conversation between a father and a son, is that intimate conversation usually? And between the eternal father and the son of God, is that intimate conversation? He goes, guys, don't even get into this slavery mentality. He goes, I've shared with you the things that the father shared with me. He goes, I've, I've shared my heart with you. I've shared with you everything you can bear. <laughs> he goes, there's some stuff I couldn't tell you because you wouldn't have been able to handle it. I didn't want your faces all to get blown off as I was sharing them with you. <laughs> but I did share you everything that the father shared with me that I could tell you. He goes, I've told you my secrets. Jesus says, I've told you my secrets. And then in verse 16, I love this one. I love this one. Because you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Now, immediately, theologians will get us into, you know, chosenness and election and all that stuff. I guarantee you, Jesus is not making a commentary on election at this point. I will guarantee you, that's not at all what he's talking about. What is he talking about? Friendship and love. He's clearly talking about friendship and love. And so to say it in a different way, he'd say this. To be truthful, you didn't want to be my friend, but I wanted to be yours. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Guys, every last one of us, if you're in, if you're in Jesus, if you're a Christian, you didn't choose him. You didn't want to be his friend. You wanted to be a friend of the world. Which is why I think that there's such strong statements about being friends of the world. In a minute, he's going to explain why the world hates us. Because we're friends with Jesus. And James says to make yourself a friend of the world is to be an enemy of God. And, and, and so he's not saying you can't be friends with sinners like Jesus was. He was a friend of sinners, but he wasn't a friend with the world's system. He wasn't a friend with sin, right? And unrighteousness. And, and, and so here he says this, he goes, you didn't, you didn't really want to be my friends, but I wanted to be yours. And that's why I chose you. And I want that to settle on your heart. You're not in church on Sunday. You're not in a relationship with the Lord because you just had to have a better way to do life or a, a self-help you know, plan and Christianity was as good as a choice as any. No, you're in a relationship with Jesus because Jesus Christ, the God of all the universe, the Bible says Jesus created everything in, first, uh, in John 1 and Colossians 1. Jesus who created everything chose you to be his friend. What kind of a, what kind of a beautiful place are you living in that you've got someone like Jesus who wants to be your friend. You know what's so silly is when we actually look at different ones and we go, well, they don't like me very much. They don't want to be my friend. They didn't look at me. They didn't talk to me. That's dumb. You've got the best friend ever. It's Jesus. Yeah. And he wanted to be your friend. Don't let your insecurity about how people handle you dictate whether you will follow what Jesus asked you to do. He just told you to love. 
You know what's such a challenge about love, but it's so liberating, is that love doesn't take account of a wrong suffered. It's so awesome. Because you know what? You can do me wrong, and I'll feel it, and ouch, but then I can walk away, and I won't remember it. Because I won't take account of it. Because my job isn't to take account of how you did me wrong. My job is to love you. (laughs) Well, that's hard. Yes, it is. And that's why I have to start every day with, as the Father loves Jesus, Jesus loves me. Because when you actually get into real love, it's way beyond the whipped cream of Sunday morning. Church smiles. Glory to God, praise God, glory to God, amen. Brother. We're the, we're the funniest people. How are you doing? Blessed. How are you doing? Blessed. Bless God, bless God. Glory, amen. What did you just say to each other? I mean, yeah, shout the glory if everything's glorious. But if you're like me, it's not glorious like 47 weeks out of the 52. You might catch me with the glory to God, bless God, glory to God, amen, about five of those weeks. But the other 47 is like, man, God's good. I'm wrestling, but God's good. He likes me still. It's tough this week. A little tired. But God's, God likes me. And you know what? Quote, unquote, God likes me, that phrase, that gets me through so much. Things can be falling down around me and I just come back to me. God likes me though. (laughs) Sometimes I go, God, this is a funny way for you to treat your friends. What are you doing? He goes, well, I'm actually bringing you into fellowship. And sometimes I fellowship in the places of my heart that I don't just share with everyone else. And Jesus goes, and I wanted to fellowship with you and even in places that I went through, he goes, I I wanted to fellowship with you in suffering. That I may know him, power of his resurrection, fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to the image of his death, that I might attain the resurrection from the dead. Christianity is about a real relationship. It's about real love, It's about having real heart connects and relationships with people. It's really about laying your life down. You won't be able to sidestep the cross and and be a Christian. You won't won't be able to mentally assent to the cross and not actually have to do the cross and, and be a Christian. This thing's about love at the highest level, at every angle. It's about love, 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 love. One of the things I love about your leaders, I love about this church, is these men, I'll tell you what, they they had every reason to think, man, you guys are like 24-7 prayer. That's a little odd, isn't isn't it? And then you Google us, and it's like, oh, dear Lord, what's out there on Google? These guys didn't ever judge that. They didn't ever judge me like that. They just said, man, we just want to love you. We want kingdom relationship. God's doing something in this region and we believe he wants the whole church to be a part and we want a kingdom relationship and that looks like love. That looks like laying your life down and uh, 
Jeff's right, I travel all over the world. I have a lot of friends in a lot of places, but I can honestly say that this house I consider to be, if not the dearest, one of the dearest friendships that I have. I love you guys. IHOP loves Newbridge. We love you guys. And that's what the kingdom is supposed to look like, gang. And so we do it in our families. We do it person to person. We do it church to church. And we live this way because it's the kingdom way. It's the Jesus way. Jesus said, I want you to be my friends and I want you to love my friends. Be my friend, love my friends. Be my friend, love my friends. Jesus is about friendship. Glory. Glory. Amen. I had a, I'll end with this. I kept it short. I had, a, uh, I had someone reach out to me um, two or three weeks ago and it was the second, he's, his title is the second vice president of the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC, y'all ever heard of them? Yeah. Kind of a big little group there. Did you know that Southern Baptist, did you know that they have more churches in America than there are McDonald's and Subways combined? That's a lot of hamburgers. I don't know, that's a lot of something going on, right? And, uh, this guy, he, he reached out to me on Twitter, and, he, and I noticed he was in town. I said, hey, let's get together. And, uh, and it didn't work out. He goes, but I'll be back in two weeks. Let's get together. And, and, and I said, okay. And so then he reached back out to me, and he's in Chattanooga. That's in Tennessee. He goes, let's get together. And I'm like, well, you're in Chattanooga. I didn't say that to him, but I'm thinking, I'm I'm not trying to drive to Chattanooga tonight. He goes, I'll drive down. That guy drove, the second vice president of the Southern Baptist Convention drove from Chattanooga two and a half hours just to come have dinner with me. And I sat there with this guy and he was just, no judgment, just all love. He just loves Jesus. I go, dude, I finally just go, dude, I pray in tongues. Is this okay? Are you going to get in trouble? (laughs) I don't know how this works. And he began to tell me about freedom in the Southern Baptist Convention and how he goes, oh, our our bylaws don't, we don't, uh, how did he say it? We don't discriminate against people who pray in tongues. I said, oh, good. That would leave me out. But this guy, was, he was just full of love. Man, we had an awesome time. And I made a friend. And I thought, dear Lord, what are you doing? Let me tell you something, guys. It's a love story. God loves people. He wants relationship with people. And he wants us to have relationships with one another. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that's gonna ha- it's going to cause us to have to get over our hang-ups. It's going to have to cause us to get over you know, our issues, stuff that divides us and separates us. It's going it's to cause us to have to listen more than we talk. 
right? To understand more than we're understood. It's gonna cause us to lay our lives down. But at the end, guess what? Jesus wants a bride that looks a lot like himself. He loved us to his death. He wants us to love him to our death.